0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See betmgm.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington D.C. What about Yamamoto, the pitcher from Japan? What are the chances that he comes to the Mets?
1: Now that's a very different answer, Gary. I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> He's a a, a serious fit for both teams. A guy who, I hear, uh, totally open to New York, open to big market, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Oh, boy, do the Mets like this guy. Everyone who scouted him in Japan likes him. Comparisons to Tim Lincecum, uh, 4-5 pitch guy with velocity. Nobody, nobody, nobody who's seen him doubts that he's way better than Kodai Senga. Uh, Which is saying a lot. Kodai Senga's good. This guy's really, really, really good, potentially. Uh, So... Definitely something to watch for the Mets. Definitely something to watch for the Yankees. What's cool about it from our seat is that, as people who are watching the story and covering it, it's the first free agent showdown potentially between the Mets and the Yankees in the Steve Cohen era. He and Hal Steinbrenner have not been after the same guy yet, a high-profile guy at any point. So that's kind of interesting. But as I said, the Mets really want him, and so do the Yankees, so let's go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll say this, the contract it's going to be expensive more than i think originally people thought when they were scouting him here this this uh, summer this past summer anywhere in that seven eight year range 30 million dollars
2: or more per year uh because of the fact that the yankees the mets san francisco giants the dodgers i'm hearing atlanta braves uh in, interested in him as well that's going to push the dollar price up and by the way they have one of the best agents out there in joel wolf wolf who represents them too so There's a level of interest there that's going to
0: end up matching the contract. And, yeah, I think I keep hearing the Mets, they're all in on this one. But, man, is the competition going to be fierce for this one?
2: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, November the 19th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show an Apple Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silvat, Talking Mets No G, Mike Silvat, Talking Mets You can get me on Instagram, Talking Mets No G. And don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter, slash at Talking Mets No G. Some great stuff about Pete Alonso and Juan Soto this week. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network as well as RisingApple.com. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. A lot to talk about, fun show for you guys today. It looks like. The cellophane was cracked off the hot stove a few hours ago. Aaron Nola going back to the Phillies, seven years, $172 million. The market has been set for pitching here in the offseason. So what does that mean for the Mets? We'll get into that. I'm also going to have a friend of mine, Mike Amiraboli. He just came back from Mets Fantasy Camp. And I went to Mets Fantasy Camp back in 2007, a long time ago, talk about 16 years ago. Mike goes every year, has actually won the, the, the tournament, won MVPs. I thought it'd be fun in the back half, in the second part of the show, to talk a little bit about Mets Fantasy Camp, get his experience. I think it's something that some of you may want to do at some point. Also, get the fans' point of view. You know, what's the buzz about the team down in Port St. Lucie? So, that'll be a fun segment, more of a fan segment, a fun segment. And I think it was appropriate to do it now because they just came back from Port St. Lucie. They were uh, away over the last couple of weeks doing the tournaments down there. So Hot Stove is starting to heat up. It's starting to simmer. It's not quite in full force Thanksgiving week, of course, upon us. Unlike the old days, it looks like the modern GM actually takes a couple of days off for Thanksgiving. I don't know. Do they? We'll see. But away we go. So, you know, when I saw David Stern's basically cleaning out the closet over the last month that's what I thought about it clean out the closet not just clean out the closet David Stearns came and bought a house that was in pretty good shape had some nice wainscoting, you know some nice tile floors maybe a brand new bathroom and he walked in and says you know what it's just not my taste so Buck Showalter you're out Billy Epler I ain't getting into this whole thing. This, this is way more. That's not what happened, but you know they get the deal. Daniel Vogel back out. Trevor Got out. You get the point. Basically, David Stearns came in and said, this is my home now. Yeah, there's some nice components of the home. Yeah, there's some things that need to be worked on. Yeah, this home was on, you know, modern living or better homes, whatever you want. I, I don't know the name of these magazines. Just a couple of years ago, but I want to make it my home, and that's clearly what he's doing. So now the Mets have some of the most flexibility out of anybody in baseball. I think they have 12 spots on their 40-man roster. What does that mean? It'll be interesting to see. One of the big themes we will have here, and you heard it on the way in, on the clip coming in, is uh, Yamamoto. Yamamoto coming over to Japan. He might be the big fish. Uh, And I I have to, and this is really important, because if I do this wrong, you know, you guys are going to kill me here. Yoshinobi Yamamoto. I I, I stay away from his first name because I forget it. It's here I am. I got to learn it. The guy's going to play for the Mets. I got to learn it. But for the first time in history, going all the way back to the advent of free agency, when George Steinbrenner threw the whole sport upside down by going out there and signing, you know, Reggie Jackson and Catfish Hunter and so on and so forth, the Mets and the Yankees might be competing for the same player. It's happened before, but not often. So we'll get into that, and you'll see us talk a little bit about that. But, you know, we'll start out with the flexibility now. And and I think, and I want to prepare everybody, because I've been saying this since the beginning of the offseason. I, I still believe, and I wrote about this in the newsletter, I still believe that the economy, interest rates, you saw some red flags with what's going on in San Diego and and them borrowing to meet payroll. I think the the global economy having some issues is going to hit professional sports. It has to. These are wealthy guys, all of them. I know they live in a different tax bracket, a different world. I know there's a lot of games you can play when you own a baseball team to, I don't want to say print your own money, but make things happen. It's really monopoly money. I mean, when you really look at how the sport is run, it's truly monopoly money. But Aaron Nola's contract, and and maybe Aaron Nola wanted to go back to Philadelphia the whole time. You would think that, and the reports are he turned down more money elsewhere. I'm having a hard time believing that. I think that was the best deal he could get. Who knows? We'll see what comes out of that. And that's a good deal. Uh, That's about what he's worth. You know, I I don't know if he's even a $24 million a year player. He's an innings guy, you know, a little bit inconsistent. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, Certainly wouldn't be somebody that I, you know, other than the Phillies, I can't see anybody else thinking that that would be the investment at the top end of the rotation, especially as you get into his late 30s. But I think that the economy at whole is going to play a factor into some depressed spending. And I think there's going to be a push for value in the marketplace. You're already hearing about it with the Mets with Luis Severino, saying, hey, here's a guy that probably needs to get a one-year deal. Think like how the Yankees took on a Corey Kluber a couple of years ago. One year, maybe $10 million, And there's no commitment past that as they try, as Stearns tries to figure out this organization. I think you're going to see a lot of value this winter. I don't think you're going to see them spending on the big fish. I don't think Billy Epler lied to Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Not that they're... Look, I think they're going to go after Yamamoto. It sounds like that's already a situation. But I'm not so sure Otani is even a factor, even if they wanted to. I don't think they're going to be in on Blake Snell. They weren't in on Nola. So, what they look at with this free agent market, you know, Cody Bellinger's out there. Again, these are, you know, the Mets don't want to give up draft picks. The Mets don't want to tie themselves in or win the winter just to win the winter because they're coming off a bad season. So, there's going to be some disappointment, I think, when it comes to the fan base because they're expecting this really smart GM to come in and do what his predecessor did rebuild, and spend at the same time. And yes, Cohen needed to do that. He needed credibility off the bat. You saw it with the Lindor trade. You tried to get Trevor Bauer. They went out and they signed Max Scherzer. Then they replaced DeGrom with Verlander. You know the story. On and on and on. I mean, last summer, while they were floundering, here they are. They're taking on money uh, of Chris Flexion's contract just to get a middle reliever. I mean, they were spending money like crazy. Cohen bought prospects to get a farm system into what is now the top 10 or 11. So I think that that's where this is all going to go. But it's more than just about building the roster. You can see at the same time, and this is where it's going to be such a difficult challenge because you're really back to square one where Jared Porter was a few years ago before he got fired, where Zach Scott was a few years ago, where Billy Epler was when he came in. You're building an organization and you're building a roster. Now, the good news is, Unlike before, where they were going to search for the president of baseball operation and insert that person above the existing infrastructure, they have the guy at the top. They're building top-down. They're building the culture top-down. And you saw now they're taking a big step forward with the hiring, the reported hiring of Chris Gross from the Astros, who has done a phenomenal job. And the Astros have done a phenomenal job in getting you know some of the most out of their drafts. It was interesting, I looked at a graph And it looks like there's two things. First round picks, total wins above replacement since 2010, Houston Astros at the top. And then you look at uh, another graph, which is, and I'm trying to find it here, which basically talks about this one here, which talks about draft picks reaching the big leagues, and the Astros are number one. So you just hired the guy that's number one in first round picks, number one in draft uh, picks, Capital getting to the big leagues. What's interesting is the Mets are dead last, dead last in 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 players getting to the big leagues that they're be, that have been drafted, but they're not as bad on first round picks. They're in the top five of of wins above replacement on first round picks. So the Mets over the last decade or so have done well in getting the big guy in the first few rounds. Not as well in depth in the draft, and you're hoping that that's going to be the case. Yet They also bring in former big leaguer Andy Green had a cup of coffee with the Mets in 2009. I don't remember, and I, I was covering the Mets intensively back then. I don't remember Andy Green. It's probably because I want to forget most of that season. He was a finalist for the managerial position. He's going to be heading up player development. So you're addressing a big part of the issues that the Mets have. The Mets don't have, the over the last a long time, going back to when Sandy Alderson took over, they haven't really been able to supplement their roster. They're able to have the Jeff McNeils and the Pete Alonzos, and they certainly could go out and buy guys like Francisco Lindor or trade for them. But they haven't been able to supplement the roster. That's why you're seeing the Trevor Gotts and the Jeff Brighams and the Phil Bickfords and all these type of guys in and out of the bullpen. You know the The, the need to go out right now, you don't have any outfielders on the roster. So the Mets' player development has been in question. So they've addressed that now with Chris Gross. They've addressed that from the draft perspective with Chris Gross. They've addressed that with Andy Green. We'll see what happens. But again, and I talked about this again. I go back, and I'm not trying to shamelessly plug here. You got to really, you guys really should sign up for the Loot newsletter because a, it's a great compliment to the show. On the short, on the on the short about Mendoza signing uh, on as the manager, I talked about how this finally sounds like and feels like a true partnership between gm and manager and now building that partnership building that cabinet out with like-minded guys who bring uh you know some experience to the table uh is important gross impresses me not because he's from the astros organization the first knock is going to be um hey he's from the astros organization he doesn't believe in scouting he's all about data and numbers and computers well first of all he, he played the game for a little bit in the minor leagues so he, he doesn't fit that profile he, he played a little bit very brief time with the Cubs back in the early 2000s but he played he grew up in the Cardinals organization that is an organization that yes is data driven but is very much about scouting Big time about scouting Our friend Howard Mcdell wrote a book about the Cardinals called the Cardinal way uh, so there's a lot of good pedigree there you know Andy Green uh, played the game you know has had a, a good reviews as a minor league manager struggled as a big league manager in San Diego you know that doesn't really matter now so uh, you know the Mets right now are putting together and it looks like they're spending their money to put the best of the best at every position now this really indicates to me and it should be no surprise what we've talked about that they're going to be careful when they sign free agents about signing anybody with a qualifying offer. that's why the Yamamoto and going up against the Yankees this is epic for the Mets. Because it may be Yamamoto or Bus. Yeah, Montgomery's out there, and not everybody who has a qualifying offer, um, you know, is a value to the Mets. You know, Nola was one of those, right? So, you know, when you look at where the Mets are going, I think they're really going to try to find the undervalued assets. I could see them going out and looking at a Ryu, uh, looking at a Frankie Montas, to try to uh, uh, build up that rotation. You know, playing it out in the winter with the relief market and seeing who falls to them. The other thing is you have a, you talk about the starters. Everybody knows about Tidwell and Hamill and Scott and Stewart and Vasil. One of the things that happened in Milwaukee, and if you look at Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, and I, and I know some people want Brandon Woodruff, but he has capsule surgery, not interested in someone on capsule surgery, even on a two-year deal. I think he's done. That usually indicates he's done. But the point is those two guys spent a little time in the bullpen before they became starters. So is it possible that the bullpen gets built up later in the year because there's going to be an innings cap on some of these kids with these guys if they're making progress? Even if it says a you know a starter that only goes three or four innings, maybe they're not going to you know go deep. You know we'll see. The Mets also have a number of interesting arms uh, out of the bullpen in the organization. I was talking to our friend Ernie Dove about that. Now a lot of these guys walk a ton of batters, but they strike out a ton of batters. You got. But guys like Paul Gervais, Trey McLaughlin, who, if you look him up, is probably one of the best in walk-to-strikeout ratio that I've seen. Wilkin Ramos, uh, a Rule 5 pick, I think, from the Pirates, getting some love on Twitter. Uh, Yowander Suarez was a starter, through a no-hitter. Maybe he could go to the bullpen, who knows. Nate Lavender, lefty that had uh, some good outings at Syracuse. Eric Orze, uh, De La Oca. Uh, no, excuse me, Montez De Oca, not De La Oca. Why do I keep saying De La Oca? Montez De Oca, there's a guy that, You know, impressed with his slider, some filthy slider a couple of years ago in uh, uh, 2022. Daniel Nunez. Uh, There is a number of young pitchers that I think when they come to spring training, even though some of them are coming out of AA, depending on how they perform, they have a shot at making this roster. I don't think the Mets are going to go out and sign 12 big league contracts to fill up that 40-man. I think they're going to sign some players to minor league deals. I definitely think they're going to go out and, and You know, put, like Stearns has said, a competitive club together. But outside of Yamamoto, I don't know how deep into the end of the pool they're going to be anywhere else. Yeah, there's going to be hitters. You know, maybe there's outfielders. Maybe there's a Jorge Sorlar. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Justin Turner. You know, those are component-type guys. Those are guys that are not going to require deep-end-of-the-pool money that are probably shorter-term commitments. I think, and that's where we're going to go here at this opening, is historically the Mets, when the Yankees had their eye on somebody, the Mets didn't even get close to them. They didn't even bother. It drove me nuts after, what was it, 2000, when Mike Mussina was a free agent and the Mets lost Mike Hampton. The Mets didn't even try. They decided to go the Kevin Apier route. Uh, Jason Giambi after 2001, what about a perfect fit along Mike Piazza going into the 2020, uh, 2002 season. Yeah. They went out and they traded for Roberto Alomar and the, you know, Jeremy Burnett, and they decided to go and trade for Mo Vaughn, uh, who was expensive because they didn't feel, and Giambi was batting his eyes at the Yankees throughout the two years leading up to free agency. I mean, what was it? Mickey Mantle was his favorite player or something like that. So maybe it was a fait accompli that they were not going to be able to sign Giambi, but they didn't even try. And then you go and you go further. Now, Beltron was interesting. To this day, you know, the, the report, and who knows, and I think it is true because Boris put it out there, is that Beltron went back to the Yankees after the Mets made a deal and offered his services for $25 million less. But they had Bernie Williams and said, no thanks. Meanwhile, Bernie was out of the game in a couple of years. So, bad job for um, the Yankees on that. But, you know, it's almost like, okay, we let you have Beltron. We could have had Beltron. He was the cream of the crop that offseason. We let you have Beltron. Then you fast forward to... To Scher and Sabathia. The Mets didn't come play in those. Now, I understand you're now heading into Madoff territory with the Wilpons and whatnot. But every time there's a big free agent, the Mets have shied away because they're afraid to get into bidding war for the Yankees. There's no reason to be afraid anymore. You have an owner who has more money than the guy in the Bronx. Now, Joel Sherman, and it was a good piece in the New York Post, wrote about this. How... Historically, since the dynasty years, when the Yankees have had their backs to the wall, after not making the playoffs in 08, they went out and they went crazy. They got Burnett, they got Sabathia, they got Teixeira. Okay, after they had a bad 2012, they went out, they went and they got the Brian McCanns and the Jacoby Ellsberrys and Masahiro Tanaka. They went to Japan that time. So now you're coming off probably the most acrimonious time. In the last thirty years of Yankees history, I mean, Cashman goes off the rails and uses a profanity filled expletives in uh, the at the GM meetings and the scrum. I mean, even Michael Kay was clutching his pearls. I heard him on uh, the podcast with Sherman and Heyman. Um, Hal's on the fire, Yankee fans are upset. The Mets, despite the bad year, are getting a lot of press. I mean, Cohen gets a lot of press. He's you know, he's out there building Metropolitan Park. The Mets are a real threat. And this is not the usual back-page foolishness. You know, I remember the back of the New York Post or the Daily News, I can't remember, when the Mets won their first-round series against the Dodgers in 06 and the Yankees lost to the Tigers. How There was a picture of, uh, you know, Reyes and Jose Valentin and Wright painting over the Yankees symbol with a Mets symbol, saying they are going to take over the town. That's just media fan garbage. Like, this is literally happening. The Mets are trying to build a brand, and, you know, look, they're we're hoping they're not going to lose their blue-collar principles. But Cohen wants to be every bit the brand that the Yankees are. He does. I mean, and if that includes a, a jewel of a surrounding area what a casino and a park and open-air space and concerts or whatever, it's going to happen. So now you come to uh, the situation here with Yamamoto. So you got this Yoshinobi Yamamoto, dominant pitcher, Uh, His team, you know, pitched his team into the seventh game of the World Series in Japan. And, you know, you heard uh, Andy Martino. If you think Senga's good, this guy's way better. And we think Senga is pretty good. And I have to ask myself here, I'm not sure the Mets right now, because there's a lot of promise with Cohen. There's a lot of passion with Cohen. There's a lot of I'm going to do and I have the money to do with Cohen. But the results have been scattered. Now, ever since they lost out on Trevor Bauer a couple of winners ago, a good loss, the Mets, when they've targeted somebody, they've gotten him. Yeah, I guess you could say the Steven Matz situation, but that really was like, okay, we lost out on Matz, they were starting to get the reputation of being bridesmaids, Cohen went right out there and make Scherzer sure happen just a couple of weeks later. So, the Mets have been pretty good at getting their guy. But, and yes, they've gone up against the Dodgers in the last couple of times. A Dodger team that may have wanted to like slow the brakes on some of the spending. A Dodger team that, like the Astros, unlike the Mets, has organizational talent that could come in at a lower cost and maybe not produce at Hall of Fame level, but the drop-off is not quite as bad. The Mets don't have that right now. The Mets have to fill out a rotation with two to three arms. Because we're not sure what they have in the minor leagues. We're not sure what McGill could give you. We're not sure what Budo could give you. There's promise, but there's no guarantees. So now, Yamamoto seems to be, in my opinion, that's the big fish this offseason. The Mets like him. A lot of other teams like him. You know, maybe the Braves, now that they lost out. I know they're here, Sunny Gray over there. Braves are, you know, dumping, you know, just like the Mets, they're dumping a bunch of guys off their 40-man roster, trying to cobble up, you know, millions of dollars. They're up to something. So... Why would why would Yamamoto come to the Mets? Because when you start to look at this objectively, the Mets really don't have the advantage here. The only advantage that the Mets have right now is Kodai Senga, and we don't know if that's an advantage because and we heard this from Jim Allen on on our show a month ago and it's been a lot of people have been talking about it since. A lot of Japanese players want to have their own team. They don't want to team up. They're not into what the NBA guys do like the super teams. So that's the first thing. But we've heard that's not an issue. We've heard that Singer really has tried to recruit him. But then look at the other ways that the Yankees have an advantage. They have a much longer history of success with Japanese players. Tanaka, Kuroda, Hideki Matsui, who won a championship here. Yeah, you he had Keagawa and the late Hideki Arabu. That was a disaster. But the Yankees, you know, Nomo came over with the Dodgers, but then it was the Yankees coming in with Arabu, who was supposedly the Roger Clemens of the Japan. I mean, even Ichiro played for the Yankees. I mean, that's baseball royalty in the U.S. and Japan. Tons of Japanese heroes to look up to. The Mets, they got Kaz Matsui, who had a horrible experience. Masato Yoshi was a decent pitcher. Sinjo, I mean, you know, I I don't think... And I know we we joked around with Jim Allen how some of these guys have gone on to become managers in NPB, so maybe they could, you know, Yamamoto Kimokogo, how is it in New York? But what are you going to turn to? Uh, Dice K's brief time with the Mets. Uh, Hideo Nomo who was a disaster with the Mets. Uh, you know, uh, Sinjo. you know, And then you have some of these nondescript guys. Kashiwata, I don't know if you guys remember him from the 97 Mets. Takatsu, he was with the 2005 Mets. Didn't do very well. Um... Ken Takahashi in the 0-9 Mets. Uh, Really, Sonora Takahashi was actually pretty good, and I was a little disappointed when he didn't resign him after the 2010 season. But you get the point. You got a lot of component-type Japanese players. So you have a sleeping giant potentially. Maybe Steinbrenner orders spending. Cashman has been abused by the press. You have to think that the sleeping giant has been awoken. And when the sleeping giant is awoken, can the Mets compete with with them? How do you sell Yamamoto on the Mets? What do you do if you're Stearns and and Cohen? Well, first, Cohen has some off-the-field cachet that Steinbrenner doesn't. Cohen's in the financial world. Cohen can open up a, a lot of doors to a player if they want to get into different type of investments. A lot more than Steinbrenner can. Maybe that's not something Yamamoto cares about. But I guarantee you, when because you, you know Scherzer and Verlander was sold and Cohen had something to do with it, and they talked about that, you know I'm going to go to Steve and talk to Steve. They didn't talk about going to Epler. They talked about going to Steve when they had questions about the direction of the team, and you know clearly he's involved in these kind of acquisitions. Now is he going to back off now that Stern's involved? I don't think that's a good idea. But he can provide cachet. He can provide the vision, and he's got a ton of money and he lives in circles that these guys could do well with outside of baseball this pitching lab that we keep hearing about is this a factor I don't know but listen if it's as good as everybody's talking about they should be pitching it the recent transition with Senga I think is a big deal look I know the Yankees have Matsui and Kuroda and Tanaka that was a long time ago the Yankees haven't been a destination for Japanese players in a decade so things change so you could even go and say hey Senga, here's how we handled him. Here's how we transitioned him. I mean, the Mets were very careful with transitioning him to the American game with spacing out his starts, helping him with his, um, you know, getting used to the ball and the game and, and everything that the culture here in the United States requires for a player coming over to Japan. And then I think ultimately the question for Yamamoto is, you know, do you want to be a star by yourself in pinstripes and will you be a star there? Because you already have, uh, Cole is already in the rotation. They've had a a long history of stars. You're one of many stars. Or do you want to make history with Kodai Senga? What better way to honor your country? And make no mistake about it. Japanese players are very nationalistic about their country. Yes, they want to come here and prove that they can play in the States. That they can play with the best of the best. And that's not a knock on their baseball. Because their baseball is good. Look, their baseball does better than our baseball in the World Baseball Classic. But I think team to team, as you get into the big leagues, into the non-exhibition season, I think that that changes a little bit. So, do you want to make history? Could you imagine the story that if Yamamoto comes here with Senga, 1-2 in the rotation, you've got Quintana as your number three, they go out and they fill the four and the five with you know Severino and a combination of Butoh and McGill, and maybe they sign another veteran, who knows, maybe a Montes or something. And they go out, and these two Far East products come here and round out that rotation. I mean, that's making history. And that's history that goes in the books. The Mets would become the darlings in Japan with that kind of thing. I mean, could you imagine... It may be like rock stars. Now, what's funny is I went to Japan Ball, um, uh site called, uh, and I think this is uh, where our friend Jim Allen also does the podcast, Japan Ball, if I'm not mistaken. I apologize, Jim. I'm not. JapanBall.com. And about four years ago, they wrote an article comparing NPB, NPB teams, NP is in Paul, B is in Bob, NPB teams to... Big league team, so obviously the Yamiori Giants are the New York Yankees. Now, where Yamamoto play, played, and I'm probably going to botch all these all these names. What is the Oryx team? And I'm trying to find yeah, the Oryx Buffalos compared to the Chicago White Sox. So in a way, Yamamoto, and this again goes to a question, he's used to, at least in Japan, playing for a team that's kind of like the next step down or the the step-brother, or the little brother, to a much bigger brand. So he's comfortable coming here. Now, does he want to continue with that, or go to the big-time guy? I don't know. You know, that remains to be seen. So, this is going to be hard. This is not going to be easy for the Mets and Cohen. And I'll tell you what, if the Mets are going to get out of the Yankee shadow here, this is the first step in doing it. Could you imagine an off-season where the Mets... Outbid the Yankees for Yamamoto. Potentially they both go to San Diego and A.J. Prella has both the Mets and the Yankees pining for Soto. You have to at least... I think it's dangerous to, to give up the farm for Soto, but you have to look into that. I wrote about that over at the newsletter. You can check it out. You know, Kind of a deal that would do that. You're probably going to have to give up two of your top 10 prospects and maybe a third of the top 15. And could you imagine the Mets do that? They outbid them for Yamamoto. They get Soto instead of them, and the Yankees are the bridesmaids and have to go out and settle for Cody Bellinger and maybe a return of Jordan Montgomery. That's going to drive the Yankee fans nuts. Now, does it drive Hal nuts like it would drive his father nuts? That remains to be seen, and I think Cashman is so analytically driven, is so data-driven, is so monotone and flat that I don't think he gives a you-know-what about that stuff. On top of that, their bench coach comes over to... Flushing, and does well, and does better than the guy that they didn't fire, Aaron Boone. Now, that's a dream scenario for Mets fans, right? Dream scenario. Um, don't be surprised if the Yankees get off the rough start. I'm going to make the prediction now here on November 19th that you start hearing Buck Walter's name of the Bronx. That's my prediction. It's going to be a fun year. Let's put it that way. So... That's where we're at. You know, a Mets Yankees showdown. The Mets have never gotten into the like the Mets have never gotten into the, the deep end of the pool with the Yankees one on one. If they see the Yankees in the deep end of the pool, they're like, oh, Red Sox, you go have at it. I I'm I'm not gonna go out. You know, Dodgers, you want to go up against them? Go ahead. I'll stay here on the shallower side. There's plenty of good options here. That's a Will mindset. Cohen is not that mindset. Now you lose out, it's gonna hurt. And we'll be here talking about it, I'm sure. It's going to hurt if you lose out on it. But it's time the Mets go out there and try to put their stamp on this city. They've got the executive that everybody wanted. Maybe they didn't get the manager that everybody wanted, but they got a manager who seems to be young and energetic and has a positive attitude. They have tons of cash. They have a beautiful ballpark that should get more beautiful with the surrounding area being built up. And they have a good core of players that they could start off with. You know, David Stearns might have came in this week and ripped out some of the tile in that new bathroom that the prior owners loved. He said, that's not for me. And and maybe he's, you know, there was you know all sorts of things in the upstairs that he didn't like, and he just started tearing away. But there's some good foundational things about the Mets. Not everything in the house is bad. Not every room needs to be blown up. There's some things to work with. He's just trying to make it better. And part of that, I think, is going to be going out there and getting arguably the best pitcher on the free agent market and outbidding the Yankees. That's a beautiful place to be. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to let our hair down. We're going to talk a little bit about Mets Fantasy Camp. A good friend of mine, Mike Amiraboli, who used to actually, on the early days when I was on 1240 AM WGBB, used to be my producer. So we'll probably have some fun stories about those days. Uh, a veteran of Mets Fantasy Camp. I went to Mets Fantasy Camp in 2007. I'll obviously share some stories. We'll hear a little bit of what he thinks about the experience. I'm sure there's some great stories, who he caught up with, what Mets luminaries he caught up with, and, and obviously information. And, and, and again, I'm not getting paid by the Mets. Neither is he. This is, for you guys as fans, a fun segment. There's no money in this. I just want to get that out there. It's important for me to say that because I don't want people to think I'm pushing this because I get a piece of the action. I don't. It's a fun week. I did it a few years ago. I'll tell you some funny stories. I'll tell you about my experience, and uh, we'll have at it. All right. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then